In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, Arizona, talks with pastors and leaders as they share their testimonials about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Good afternoon, Monday afternoon, for those of you who are listening. And uh, we're very glad to have you on this version of The Kingdom and Its Stories. And normally we interview pastors and church leaders um, and get examples of how they're using uh, their opportunity as leaders within the body of Christ to challenge uh, their people to be the hands and feet of Jesus in their communities. But today, I have the very special privilege of interviewing my grandson, who's 22 years old. He just graduated from Berkeley um, this year, and, uh, and uh, his name is Julian Wall. And, uh, and he has a story that uh, I want you to hear because uh, he has been a part of a group called the Burrito Boys. And, and in this particular group, they have allowed their demonstration of God's love uh, to be expressed to the homeless in San Diego. And also have with me Julian Gibb, who's an association um, uh, who, who is an associate of mine. We've known each other for seven years, m- members of the same church. And, um, and he's going to be co-interviewing with me. Uh, and so, Julian, welcome to you. So uh, let's begin um, by um, my introducing you to my grandson, Julian Wall. And Julian, tell us, about the Burrito Boys, how how did it get started? So the Burrito Boys was an organization uh, that started in 2012 with me and uh, six of my closest childhood friends. And you, um, you you were in junior high school at that time? I was in junior high school at that time, yeah, correct. Okay. Um, and it just started as a very grassroots mission Um and kind of was intended to just be something that we did one Sunday and, and wasn't supposed to be continued into the future like it has. Um, but the initial goal was to just kind of bring seven middle schoolers to an underserved community in downtown San Diego, just to kind of give us perspective on uh, different communities that weren't ours and people that were living in different circumstances uh, than we have been fortunate enough to grow up in. Um, and so what it started out as uh, is just a way to go and, and feed the homeless population of downtown San Diego. But who was, who, who was the, um, the, the initiator of this idea and why did it, why did it happen? Where so, did the idea come from? Yeah, the the initiator was one of the original founding members' fathers. His name is Michael Johnson. Um, and he actually started this after reading his son's Christmas list one year. And he just saw on the Christmas list how 
fortunate his son is to even request such ludicrous items each year for Christmas um, and, and kind of realized right then and there that his son could really use some perspective and uh, just kind of immediately concluded that his son's best friends who grew up in the same community as him could use some perspective as well. Um, so it started with just one or two of us working in a kitchen and preparing like 15 or 20 uh, egg burritos, breakfast burritos on Sunday morning that we would go and, and actually drive out to downtown San Diego and look for homeless people to give the burritos to um, mm. and just kind of give them a burrito and water and a warm smile um, and then be on our way. But that, that was the, our, hum, our humble beginnings. So you began just with something that was for one Sunday? Yeah, there was no intention for this to turn into the organization that it has become or to, to continue on to any other Sundays. But So how did it how 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 did it grow? What what was it that caused it to grow beyond the one Sunday experience? I think it there's just something special if you went downtown and actually experienced um, making the burritos by hand and, and going downtown and, and serving those people and being able to see the look of gratitude in their eye and how those conversations with them, there's just something magnetic about the experience that brought volunteers back uh, week to week. And then as our, our volunteers grew, our operations slowly and organically grew. Um, and then we started gaining local and national media attention, which which helped us get donations and even more volunteers. So it was very humble beginnings, um, but this this organic growth that just kind of exploded into the organization that it is today. So you start, go ahead, Julian. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Julian, what what sort of perspectives did you gain? You know, you were uh, was it a 14 year old uh, kid? You know, and uh, from a good background and. Uh, what did you learn by by serving the people on the street? Uh, for me, one of the biggest things that I remember is just this uh, mental connection of of this human contact that we were having. I think uh, as a fourteen year old kid, you kind of hear the word homeless, or you, you have these different representations of what a homeless person is or supposed to be in your head. And so it was just very eye-opening actually going downtown and doing the work and meeting these people, just seeing that these are people just like you and I. And at the end of the day, all they want is, is love and comfort, just like we do. And how, how did that affect you? Um, I think at the time, uh, I couldn't really tell that it was changing me, but it was, it was definitely changing me slowly by expanding my perspective and expanding my worldview um, and realizing that not everybody was born in the same fortunate circumstances that that I was, and that there's pain and hurt in the world. Um, but at the same time, there it, there are ways for people to alleviate that pain and hurt for other people. So it instilled this sense of of service in me that I still carry with me today. That yeah, that that, that makes me uh, ask another question, and that is, okay, you started off. And it, according to your own testimony, it didn't have much of an impact the first time. But what happened was something, uh, what happened in you was something as a result of repetition. Mm -hmm. So uh, for those of us who are listening, what is your perspective of the importance of the repeat, the repetition of 
demonstrating concern and care uh, to others. Yeah, I think it's extremely important. And, and we often talk about that within our organization is that we are we are a unique organization because we rarely have those one-off volunteers who just show up once and never come back. Um, there's just something magnetic about going downtown and serving these communities and, and really forging relationships with the people that you're serving. And I think at the end of the day, that's what makes our organization so unique and special is that once you're forging those relationships, there's something inherently that just draws you back each week and you want to check in on the people um, that you've grown to love over the years. So if you want to, to have something impact you in terms of helping you to be more sensitive to those on the outside, what is the importance of not just doing something one time, but making this a lifestyle? Oh, I think it's extremely important. And um, it's just something at the end of the day that um, you're not doing just for us, it was Sundays. And it was, it was not just like a mindset that we were getting into on Sunday and only doing on Sunday. It was a mindset mentality that we, we carried with us for the rest of the week, just kind of opening your eyes um, and, and being of service to the people around you. So repetition is extremely important. Okay. We don't have, um, um, a video to, to help us understand what happens. Tell us, describe what, what happens on a Sunday? What time do you get up? What, what do you do? You know, how do you move from making the burritos and where do you make them? You know, and then what do you do with them? How do you get to where you're going with them, et cetera? So it, it started out um, in a friend's kitchen, really just with a different station set up, cracking eggs into bowls, mixing the eggs, cooking the eggs, laying out the tortillas. Um, but we have been fortunate enough to grow over the years and had very generous uh, benefactors and donations that have allowed us to grow. And so now we've moved into a industrial sized kitchen at a restaurant. We were handed over the keys as probably 16 year olds at this point and handle the opening duties and then clean up after we're done. You must have been a brave guy to hand 16 year old keys. <laughs> he definitely is. <laughs> I think adult supervision was one of his uh, motivating factors for sure. Okay. Um, but, uh, to date, we have moved into the restaurant and moved all of our operations into there. And now we probably have around 20 to 25 volunteers that show up each week. So we have different stations set up around the restaurant where we'll have five people cracking eggs, uh, two people uh, mixing them and scrambling them over the stove in the back. We'll have people laying out tortillas. And then ultimately, by the end, we're putting them in the oven to warm them up before we take them downtown. Um, and then from there, we have a caravan of about three or four cars that we all take downtown carrying different supplies. Um, we've expanded our, our service past just food and water. Now we'll offer toiletries and books and family care for those that have children on the streets. Um, and then we have different checkpoints at which the homeless community at this point knows where we'll be each Sunday and at what time. So by the time we're rolling up to a certain stop come Sunday morning, there will be a line of around probably a hundred homeless people just down the street and curled around the corner. Um, and so I think we're doing right now about 350 burritos per week. Okay. All right. 
So, Julian, you, you're able to serve them with food and with uh, all those materials that you said. Is there an opportunity to, to speak, to form relationships, to uh, share share their journey? Yeah, there is. And I'd say that's actually the primary reason we're down there. Kind of the, the food and the water is secondary. It's definitely much appreciated. But at the end of the day, um, comfort and love is the reason that we're down there. And just providing these people with, with conversations and that human to human contact that so often a a marginalized community such as the homeless community doesn't receive on a day-to-day basis. So we do make sure that there's an opportunity for everybody to get their food and water, but we do have a group of volunteers that's always standing off to the side, um, that is there to talk if anybody needs it. And we do make, uh, a very prominent effort, even as we're passing out food and water to make sure that they know our names and try to get their names um, just to make it even more personal. For those of you who are, um, who have just tuned in, we're interviewing my grandson, Julian Wall, who's uh, 22 years old. And, and since his junior high years has been involved in an outreach to homeless people called the burrito boys. Um, and, uh, and in this program, we're, we're trying to understand, uh, how we can, as individuals, uh, be, be the hands and feet of Jesus to people in our community. And, uh, and so we, we interview various, uh, church leaders, pastors, and, but this, this particular broadcast, I um, I wanted to interview my grandson, who's been doing something like this for for quite a while. Julian, how how many people do you think um, over over the years that you've been doing this since what year did you begin? Uh, Twenty twelve was our first year. And have you got an, an, any idea of, of how many people you've served since then? Uh, so we have served to date. Uh, it's been over 300 consecutive Sundays with over 300,000 hot meals served. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And the financing, um, did you start off with a big donation uh, that allowed you to do this? Or how, how did you get started financially? I think since originally it was such a small scale operation, it was just people's parents that would go and buy a dozen eggs and a pack of tortillas from the local grocery store. Okay. Um, but as we started slowly growing and, and getting media attention, uh, we were very fortunate to receive generous donations for all of our products. So now um, we're receiving food donations from Trader Joe's and supply donations from various uh, supply shops around San Diego. Um, But then we're also receiving monetary donations to assist in anything that we're short on, on a week to week basis. Okay. So tell me um, what, how how is this organized? I mean, you grew from, what'd you say? Three or four kids just doing this on a Sunday. And and now you've got, you know, 20, 30 people meeting in a restaurant and making breakfast burritos. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how, how is this organized? So uh, it, it really just started out as seven kids and one dad doing this uh, on a week to week basis. And I think as we started outgrowing the capacity that and bandwidth that the seven of us had, 
we started bringing on more volunteers as people would kind of hear from word of mouth or from local news stories. Um, and then eventually we grew to the point where we, uh, became a 501c3 charity. So that's an officially recognized nonprofit charity. Um, and from there we started, uh, getting legal help. We developed a board of members and kind of an official organizational structure, which helped us continue our capacity for growth at kind of a, a higher level. So at this point in time, that's where we're at, where we have, uh, official spots on a roster for people to fill. Um, the original seven burrito boys are right now lifetime advisory board members kind of as we've left for college, we had to remove ourselves from the day-to-day activity, um, and are now just kind of at a macro level overseeing the organizational growth and making sure that it's, it's sticking with the mission that we originally intended. Um, but it has been a very surreal experience for us to be able to leave college and have a much more hands-off approach and watch this organization continue to keep on doing what it's doing. Okay, good. Can you, uh, can you give us an example of, uh, you were saying, you know, you, you uh, started off, you'd give a burrito and then that sort of spread to developing relationships and friendships um, with those on the streets. Uh, can you give us an example of, um, say, uh, one relationship that you've, uh, you've developed with someone on the street and uh, where, where that went? Yeah, one of the most profound relationships we developed was one of our good friends named David, who was actually one of the ver- uh, very first people we served in downtown San Diego. Um, and our relationship developed to the point where David would become a, a staple at some of our soccer games. All of us played on the same soccer teams. Um, and he would stay over at friends' houses before soccer games and, and support us. So that was just a very special and, and long lasting relationship that we formed on the first day. Um, and we've actually been lucky enough to be friends with David long enough to, to watch him and learn his story. And he's actually since then, uh, gotten himself off the street and, and has a job now. So it's been cool to watch that growth uh, from a, a first friend that you meet downtown to somebody who's uh, making making a lot with their life right now. Did he ever ask why you're doing this? You know, you're a, you were a, a whatever, 14, 15-year-old kid, you know, you should, places to go, people to see, you know, games to play. Did he ever ask you why, why are you doing this? That's funny. That's actually not a question that we, we get a lot down there. Um, but if, if he would have asked, I just think, uh, I think through our service, he knows that we were doing it out of love for him and his community. Um, we, we did our best to do everything with a smile and with love. And I think it it showed through our work. What would you say to, um, to someone listening now and they're, they're thinking, well, you know, you uh, at least you sound educated. You know, you <laughs> you sound like you come from a good background. You've got a head on your shoulders. Uh, you've got a um, you know, but I can't do this. You know, I mean, I I can't start this organization, this five hundred one c three. You know, what would you say to a person who thinks this is this is wonderful, but it's just it's just not for the likes of me. I, I haven't got what it takes to set it up. I think one thing that always came to mind to the seven of us as we were doing this is, is the idea of this ripple effect. And no matter how small of an impact you think you're making, um, that impact can really carry a long way. So we never started this organization with the intent for it to grow how it did. I think we started 
because we wanted to serve this very small number of people in our community. So even if you're just making a difference in one person's life, you can't overestimate how big of an impact that's going to have. Um, and you, you really have no idea what it has the potential to grow into. So I think any impact you're making, no matter how small, really can't be undervalued. And I guess you could always join with an existing organization, you know, perhaps one that's already serving downtown or, or with a church or with wherever and uh, take your hands and your feet and your, your love for people down there and join in with them. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I think one of the most important things for, for people to recognize is you don't need to know what you're doing. Because when I was 14 years old in 2012, I most surely <laughs> had no idea what I was doing or what I was getting myself into. So as long as your your heart's in the right place and your, your intent is to serve, I think you're going to make a positive impact. Well, yeah. I uh, have a philosophical question for you, Julian. Uh-oh. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> You know, there is a lot of debate in our country right now about um, about the negative side of welfare, you know, creating dependency. And um, some people might say, well, you know, what are the what you know, what's the use of of just handing out food to street people? Um, and uh, that that's what is that building? You know, it's just perpetuates dependency what what would your response be to someone who thinks that way well there there are other organizations that that work with getting people off the streets that's not what our mission is or intent is um but at the end of the day i think it's, it's just keeping in mind to serve like jesus would and what that means to us is putting no stipulations or if, ands, and buts on service, but just serving on people that need it and loving on them unconditionally. And I, I think that is our role, and, and that's what we set out to do from day one. You know, when you, when you say that, it, it reminds me of, of Jesus' encounter with the ten lepers. And, um, and he healed all ten only one came back and because he was Jesus, because he was God, I think he probably knew that only one would come back, but he didn't heal just that one who came back. He healed all 10. And so he didn't heal them on the basis of whether they'd get their act together or not, (laughs) so to speak. He healed them because there was a need. And so what it sounds like to me is that what you guys were doing is you saw a need and yeah. you responded to that need. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Jesus himself said, I'm not here for this healthy. I'm here for the sick. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. You right. couldn't imagine him when feeding the 5,000. Could you sort of like, Oh, well you get some, but you don't, <laughs> you know, like fish in the loaves, but changing it to burritos, you know, it's kind of just like, Oh, not for you, not for you. But, uh, <laughs> Have you got the right credentials? But what, Julian, what would you say to um, just anyone listening now? Um, what have, you know, you didn't do it for you, but what have you gained from it um, as a result of doing it? So you didn't do it for you, but what have you gained from doing it? 
I think the one thing that I would just encourage everybody in their service to do is, is just um, go out there and serve with no expectations. Um, and you just have no idea the benefits that you're going to reap in return. And I think one of the most valuable things um, that anybody gains is just perspective, whether that be perspective on their own life or somebody else's. Um, there's something very valuable and something human about uh, seeing and understanding somebody else's situation. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Julian. I, I really appreciate that. And thank you for taking the time to share with us. And um, I want to encourage those who are listening to not think, okay, do I need to go and do the same thing that Julian and his friends did? Or do they need to ask the question, I wonder what it is today that I can do to be the hands and feet of Jesus today. And so my encouragement to those of you who are listening is to think that question. And also for those who are listening, I want to invite you. If you have stories to share with us, we would love to hear. And if you contact us through our, uh, our website, harvestfoundation.org, and there's a contact us tab. We'd love to hear your story. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their community. Today's testimony of God's love not only inspires us, but now we ask God how He wants us to demonstrate His love in a similar way with others in the church towards our neighbors. Also consider sharing the kingdom and its story with others through the media tab at harvestfoundation.org.